You just saw something Saturday that Ole Miss hasn't done in 15 years. And in the non-conference, 72. We'll tell you exactly what that is right after this. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Monday Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Ole Miss just absolutely destroyed Georgia Tech. It is the largest non-conference win for Ole Miss, a game like that since 1950 against Boston College, according to the Ole Miss notes. That was a big win. That doesn't happen very much. The last time we saw something like that against a Power 5 team was that demolition that happened in 2008 against Mississippi State. And they won that game 45 to nothing. They won that Boston College game 50 to nothing. This was a 42 to nothing game. This was a big win. There's really no way to turn around that. Even if you had any kind of predictions or expectations going into this game about waiting until Kentucky to form an opinion about it, that was no, there was no chance that that was going to be successful. Anyway, real quick, before we get started, though, I want to tell you, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications and new videos going up, which happens quite frequently. And, of course, upvote the video itself. So, it was a rampaging domination in Atlanta. Now, Georgia Tech and their fan base, they have problems and issues they have to deal with. And... Ole Miss is averaging giving up 4.3 points a game. And we'll talk about that with one of my takeaways in the second segment. The defense is pretty special to this point, And they deserve all kinds of credit. Because as bad, let's say the first three teams were absolutely horrible. Just terrible. Just absolute garbage. Like Hawaii three times. Ole Miss still would not give up 13 points over three games. There's tradition that you can see that over time. Ole Miss has started with three bad teams before and given up 40, 45 points. It might be 55 to 10, um, 38 to 17, you know, something like that going through. And that's normal. And nobody would freak out about that. But this team being able to 10 points in the opener to a team that, just got hell married by Appalachian State. So Troy's might be better than we thought they were, but this is game three. It's not apples to apples. Central Arkansas took Missouri State into the second half. Missouri State took Arkansas into the fourth quarter. Again, just one of those things. And, of course, Georgia Tech, who actually played pretty well against Clemson. At least that game was probably well enough to get Ole Miss's attention. And Ole Miss... Man, I enjoyed the hell out of that game. So, that is the first time I remember Ole Miss looking like 90s Nebraska in my life. Even that 2008 game, Ole Miss didn't look like that. This was a game that 75% of the offensive plays were probably inside and outside zone. That's what we put on on film against Kentucky for them. 
just 75% of the plays, just hand the ball inside zone, outside zone, simple plays, maybe a counter or two. The run game really didn't delve very much into probably four or five plays. So we didn't put much on film. We actually played offensively fairly vanilla. Now, that was to the detriment, I thought, in the first half to um, Jackson Dart, which we will talk about the quarterback competition as a takeaway in the second segment as well. But in the first half, as far as a tone setter, when you had Ole Miss running the ball 90% of the time, 95% of the time, just handing the ball off, we're going to do this, you can't stop it. And that is not something Ole Miss has done in the last to my knowledge, the last 40 years against a Power 5 team. It just kind of is what it is. Now, is Georgia Tech a good team? No, probably not. Um, Are they on the schedule? Yes. Were they treated like a team like that should be treated? Yes. Is the defense, did it look organized and good? Yes. Did the running back game look dominant? Yes. Did they look better than Clemson did against Georgia Tech in week one? Yeah, it was it was all wins. Everything through. It was complete and utter domination from start to finish. It was one of those games that you would watch, you know, 10 years ago and Alabama was playing and they were handing the ball to Mark Ingram and they won 38 to nothing and it felt like 65 or 70 to nothing. It was so much worse than it was. And... I mentioned that this maybe wasn't good enough for the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway because this kind of fits this thing. This complete domination, Lane Kiffin knows this team could be really special. Do you know how I know that Lane Kiffin knows this team could be really special? In the third and fourth quarter, he is doing essentially a Nick Saban impression on the sideline, getting completely worked up, pissed off, all of that to keep them basically tuned in what they need to do and prepare for the little things. We talk all the time about how this program is very much built on Pete Carroll. And it is. The way the program is built, all of the stuff that's like the inner workings of the program, it's all Pete Carroll from A to Z. But the way Lane handles the media, Nick Saban, this is be a Nick Saban task as well going through and completely getting on the team whenever you're just crushing your opponent. The worst games that Ole Miss is going to win, the bigger the blowout, the more Lane is going to bitch. That's just the way it is. And that is probably good for this team. Now, this is a team full of transfers in game three. Three weeks into the regular season. This looks like a cohesive unit. This looks like a cohesive unit. The grand experiment that I've talked about for six months is well on its way to working. We'll have to see when SEC play hits, but if they drop games, it won't be because they're transfers. They're already uber-talented. You can see the talent at Fusion all over the field. That running back room is better than anything I can remember since I've been watching Ole Miss. Just period. It's just better than anything I can remember. And they're doing the right thing by giving them the ball and feeding them over and over again. I told y'all for five or six months to expect this team to be 65-70% run because that is going to be the identity of this team. That's the way 
this works when you have an inexperienced quarterback. That's the way you protect them. You do whatever you have to do. You force the defense to play a certain way because they have to stop the run. Zach Evans looked fantastic. My goodness. He looks so smooth when he cuts. It's next level. And it's the way it goes with Quinshawn Judkins, who is averaging almost the same per carry. Zach Evans probably isn't getting the touches that he thought he was going to get. Him and Judkins, though, they're getting 40 carries a game between them. And they are performing the way they should. I'm telling you, this team is talented. And I've told you all offseason, it's one thing to be talented. It's another thing to be good. I know I drive people crazy all the time saying that. But there's a reason I said that, and that is because I knew this team could be good. But there was all these questions about melding 30 transfers and all of these important players in, in one offseason. And if you could make them work in this grand experiment, Ole Miss would truly have something. And I think they do. You started seeing Lane Kiffin last week really pound the transfer to the SIP thing again. And he wearing the shirt, come to the SIP, and they're going to essentially attack the portal and um, high school recruiting as it goes. Mainly the portal at this point because they're just about filled up. But this year is proving that they have the right formula for the portal. Zach Evans transferred. Quinshawn Judkins, um, high school. Ulysses Bentley the fourth transfer. Mason Brooks, transfer. Um, a, a lot of a homegrown offensive line. Jackson Dart, transfer. Jordan Watkins, transfer. Malik Heath, transfer. Jalen Robinson, transfer. All over the field. Offensively and defense, there's transfers all over the place. And this has increased the talent fold of this team a ludicrous amount. Now, does that mean they're going to win every game? No. You still have to play. You still have to win. They still have to execute. In the, in the short term, the three hours that is a game, your talent only means as well as you prepare, only means as well as you play. This is a team that is supremely talented, but they could go 7-5, and 6-6 six and six if this turned pear shape on. I don't think they will, but it's possible. And we have to see exactly how these guys will handle all of this moving forward because, honestly, it's absolutely a fantastic thing. Anyway, as you can see below, Ole Miss is a 19.5 point favorite over Tulsa, and the over-under is 3 o'clock. The game's at 3 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. This line and all of our lines are brought to you by Bet Online. So, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Um, also, Kansas and Vandy have already hit their season over. If you bet on both of those to hit their season over, they have already hit before the calendar turned one month they hit. It, it is amazing. 
Anyway, head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. We will um, hit them up with our SEC lines in segment three. But right now, let's hear um, in this from this break. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. I, I really, it doesn't matter. Just leave a five-star review. That review is going to be fine and help me, but the five-star part will help people find the show. Um, last week, we put it up and put Ole Miss podcast in the Google machine, came up first on the list. That's what we were trying to do the whole time. Anyway, the postgame show is up right now from the Central Arkansas game. We got Stuart Patridge talking about Jackson Dart. That is fantastic. Give that a watch. Um, the postgame videos we've done are a little bit over 2,000 views at this point. Fantastic. Thank you very much for tuning into that. We're going to keep going as this goes as well. Got about 35 subscribers this weekend, too. So it is really, really cool. So, Jackson Dart, I think, fairly well took the bull by the horns and seized the job this weekend. He played actually pretty well, to the point where Dante Moncrief talked about how well he played. And yes, he made a mistake by throwing interceptions, but all quarterbacks are going to do that, period. I mean, you can't micromanage on a throw. He played overall very well in the third quarter. He played fairly elite. He flashed NFL draft talent in the third quarter with just a seat across the middle. He threw out the back foot with an off-angle throw, just a perfect shot on the sideline. This is a guy that didn't let the ball hit the ground in the second half. This was after a butt-chewing from Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin, I think, is going to talk about today how he was proud of Jackson Dart's ability to bounce back from that chewing. In that third quarter, he came out and really performed. He actually trucked somebody in the third quarter. A lot of stuff winning over his teammates. Now, there might be people that are questioning the play of Jackson Dart in this game, but I think Jackson Dart played a perfect game. First of all, other than one pass, he didn't force anything. He may have missed on some long balls. Um, He had a couple of drops in the screen game that would have helped his numbers. I mean, he was pretty close from being 12 and 12 or 13 for 16 with the pick that was going to happen either way. Um, and he had a couple of touchdowns out there on the table. He played pretty well and that was encouraging. Now we are at the point of this quarterback competition and it's absolutely sickening, but I knew we were going to get there eventually. People that have rooted for Jackson Dart and people that have rooted for Luke Altmaier. Now the people from that were rooting for Luke Altmaier are literally lashing out at the people that rooted for Jackson Dart. It's the reason I said don't root, because there's no good that come, can come from it. I said last week sometime, Mississippians are so tribal, if you give them two choices, they're going to pick one and they're going to fight to the death. Lane Kiffin needs to realize that even in the future, if he has a quarterback com- um, competition, don't say it. Don't talk. Don't talk about talk about it. Don't tell anyone about it. Just go on the film. Do what you need to do, and we will go from there. But he played an outstanding game. Honestly, I was very proud of Jackson. Um, he's only going to get better. His interception is going to get better with reps. Everything he sees, he's going to get better after he sees it. And people are going to show him 
some looks that he can take advantage of because of Quinshawn Judkins, because of Zach Evans, because of Ulysses Bentley. Those guys are going to allow him to hit some deep shots as this season goes on. Jack, Jonathan Mingo had a heck of a catch again just on the sideline. That was another really nice pass. It was almost at the level of Jevin Sneed versus LSU. Just a shot down the side that they caught right over the defender's helmet. It was something to see. It was, it was a good quarter. Jackson Dart has won this job. They need to, A, probably announce it, even though they probably won't. Um, but they at least need to treat him like the starter internally. Whether we know or not, it doesn't matter. All I will sit here and say is this charade needs to stop and this needs to be over. But whatever's going on behind the scenes, that is what is important. Now, Kentucky's coming up in about 12 days. We'll find out the TV slot potentially for that game today. And there's a chance it could be held because there's other games that are out there that they might want to see the results of. But Ole Miss versus Kentucky, if Ole Miss handles business against Tulsa, which we're going to talk about tomorrow, and we have some guests, I think, coming tomorrow that's going to um, preview the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Ole Miss has never beat them, by the way. Um, but Ole Miss, if they take care of business, if Kentucky takes care of business, Ole Miss has a shot at game day, um, October 1st. Now, Alabama versus Arkansas is also that weekend. Alabama needs to take care of business against Vanderbilt. Arkansas needs to beat A&M. If A&M beats them, then that would probably be the only thing that was needed to um, get game day for Ole Miss for the second time in two years. Now, that is going to be a big game. We have spent the whole offseason building up that football game. It's absolutely ridiculous, but, I mean, that's, that is the case. We have spent the offseason – um, building up that football game. And it was, it's going to be something else. It's going to be a big game, the likes of which Ole Miss hasn't seen very often, probably since 2014 in Oxford. And that's with Kentucky coming to town. It's just a weird thing knowing it's Kentucky. When we had a good basketball team, back in the day, like when Rob Evans and Rod Barnes were there and Kentucky would come in to Tad Smith, that would have that big game feel. But there hasn't been too many football games that have been able to replicate that until this one. If Ole Miss takes care of business against Tulsa, which has a genuinely good offense, if you want to test for our defense before Kentucky, Tulsa might be it. I do think Tulsa kind of has an average defense, and you might be able to bully them a bit. So we will see exactly how it plays. Ole Miss has done a good job of kind of taking care of business and not playing to the level of their competition, which was always a risk this season with all these transfers and everything going on. Always a risk. Anyway, our last takeaway is the fact that the defense has played elite. And like I said, I do not care who they play against. Ole Miss has given up 4.3 points a game. That is tied for third in the nation, um, only behind Georgia. They're tied with Iowa. So it's tied for second, essentially. But Georgia's in first place at like 3.3 points a game. Ole Miss and Iowa is second at 4.3 points a game. And now Georgia's played Oregon, and they do whatever they need to do. They're turning into a monster um, over in Athens. They're kind of becoming the new Alabama. But 
so is kind of Ole Miss, just in a different way. The talent on this field defensively is pretty breathtaking to the point where Xavion Harris, he was one of my stars of the game, off the book stars of the game against Georgia Tech, just because when he got in there and started making plays and pushing things around, that defensive line looked different, man. He has a chance eventually, not now, he's not there yet, has a chance eventually to be very, very good and allow this defense to do special, special things. This defensive backfield, though, fantastic. When you have Tennyson and um, Otis Reese and a whole bunch of people that do not mind playing box safety, that are willing to set the edge in the run game, and that helps so much. The speed on this defense is just off the charts. You're not getting a sideline on these guys. You're not getting a corner. You have to run straight at them. And Georgia has that guy that can do it. Kentucky might with Chris Rodriguez. Other than that, I'm not overly concerned about the run game as people are trying to play murder ball with you. I mean, it will be interesting to see. But Ole Miss has given up like 62 yards rushing a game, a total of about 250. This is a good defensive unit. And before people say, look who we've played, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Now look at the last 40 years when we played bad teams and look what we did against them then. Because that's what I'm talking about. We have played to the level of our competition just repeatedly for the better part of the last 40 years. Not so much this year. Hey, that was just a mauling Saturday. It was warranted. But those are probably my three takeaways. Anyway, we're going to take a message, take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll come back with lines right after this. All right, thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself. Participate in the comment section below. Tell us what we're getting wrong. All of that will be appreciative. Thank you very much for that. Anyway, let's get to the lines of week four around the SEC, which is kind of interesting to me. It's a game where there's there's 10 games where conference teams are in place. Um, conference games are starting to happen. And when they do, you can see the roster gets a little bit slower. But the Kent State, the Flashes are at Georgia. Georgia's favored by 42 points. Georgia is turning into absolute murder ball. And they are almost a clear number one in the conference. I... With it being murder ball, I'd be mer- nervous that they would throw up a 38 to seven or something like that, a 38 to three, a 38 to nothing. Um, but Georgia is by far the superior team in that matchup. Missouri is at Auburn on the plains, and Auburn is a six and a half point favorite. If you looked at the score, if you watched the game, no matter what you do, if you saw what Penn State did to Auburn, that line makes you feel bad for Missouri because Auburn shouldn't be six-and-a-half-point favorite over anybody. They don't look like they're better than anybody, but they apparently are Missouri. So we'll see exactly how the Missouri Tigers are able to look um, when they go down and face the Auburn Tigers, who has, well, let's just say it, work to do. Bowen Green is at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is favored by 29-and-a-half. Mississippi State 
had a disastrous fourth quarter against LSU. They played pretty well up until then. But they weren't able to quite hold up against LSU. LSU was getting a big win. But Bowling Green's in town. Mississippi State's 29.5-point favorite. I think Mississippi State's probably going to cover that, but we'll see exactly how they play. Tulsa and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 19.5-point favorite. It's at 3 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. Over-under is at 62. All of this is brought to you by Bet Online, like all of our lines are. This is a game to where the over-under in the Ole Miss game is 62 points. I don't think Ole Miss is going to score in this game much more than 40. But I do not see Tulsa scoring 20. The defense thus far has been too good. So if that happens, Ole Miss will likely cover this game. But it should be interesting to see. 19 and a half points at home. That's a good way, good prep right before the Kentucky game. Florida is at Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by nine and a half points. That is absolutely crazy. If anybody has bad luck, though, against Florida, it's Tennessee. So it might be a situation where Tennessee kind of lays an egg a bit. But Florida has not looked good since their opening week win against Utah. Anthony Richardson has not looked good in the past game. This is a game where if Tennessee's offense can put up 14, 21 points, I don't know if Florida is going to be able to keep up with them. They were able to luck out, and I do say luck out and win against South Florida this weekend because of a bad snap and a missed field goal at the end. But it's a game that Jerry Bohannon um, could have taken the Gators or the Bulls down and gotten the win outright against the Gators. But it, it, you feel terrible about it. Northern Illinois, by the way, Northern Illinois would be the team that's not on Ole Miss schedule that plays the most of Ole Miss's like opponents because they played Vanderbilt, they played Kentucky, they played um, Tulsa. Um, those guys, just a weird matching of these schedules of, for non-conference teams. But Kentucky's a 25-point favorite at home against Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois can be a solid um, mid-American conference team. So we'll see exactly how that looks. Kentucky kind of sleptwalked through their first game. They might sleepwalk again knowing what's on the table the following week. This one kind of surprises me. Texas A&M is favored by two over Arkansas. That's a versus game, if you read. It's a neutral site game played at Jerry World um, in Arlington, Texas, whatever the, whichever town it's in. But Arkansas completely dominated Texas A&M last year. The offense has not changed. The same problems that they had last year, they're probably going to have this year. Texas A&M defensively is about the same, maybe not as good as last year. The offense of Texas A&M may be a little bit better because last year Zach Calzada was making his first start. So we'll see with Max Johnson at the helm. But Texas A&M is favored by two points in this game. It'll be interesting to see definitely going forward. But if A&M wins this game and Ole Miss and Kentucky take care of business, there's a good chance for game day, October 1st. If Arkansas wins this game, you've got Arkansas-Alabama the following week. So that, that, is, that is your likely game day scenario. Charlotte is at South Carolina. They're, the Gamecocks are a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. It's that's about right, honestly. Charlotte has not looked very good this year. Their quarterback 
kind of, I think he got injured in the opening game. And so without him, they haven't quite been there. So we'll see exactly how that looks. South Carolina has not looked good, though. That would be a scary line because this could be a 31-17 to or something like that. And South Carolina would be completely happy with that. But if you um, gambled and took South Carolina and gave the points, that would be problematic for you. Vanderbilt is an, a 40-and-a-half-point underdog at Alabama. That's 3-1, and one, Vandy, by the way. Um, they beat Northern Illinois by 10 points um, in DeKalb, um, somewhere. I, for, I don't I forget the, the city in Illinois, but um, we'll see. Alabama, they absolutely pummeled. Louisiana Monroe, like 63 to 7. It, it was it was a beatdown. It was deserved, and it was kind of a get-right game. This is a game that I think Alabama will continue to roll, but Vanderbilt changed quarterbacks. And I think it's A.J. Swan, I think that's his name, um, is going to be calling the signals. He's the guy that has put Mike Wright on the bench. But that's a 3-1 and one Vandy team. There's a culture that is being changed in Vanderbilt. Everybody can laugh all they want to. But it's happening. Also, New Mexico is at Tiger Stadium. LSU is favored by 29 points. Chance of rain, never. Um, LSU is not a very good football team. New Mexico is a really bad football team. LSU might cover this line. That doesn't mean they're a particularly good football team. But they did get a major win against Mississippi State Saturday night and is not one that they should turn their nose up at, honestly. It is honestly a very, very big deal. So those are our week two lines. Thank you very much for tuning in. And, of course, get more on the SEC by making the Locked On SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Locked On SEC. Hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This was our... Takeaway edition, looking back at Georgia Tech tomorrow, we'll start diving into the Golden Hurricane. Anyway, till then, take care.